before I have a prayer and we get started, and I'll be honest with you, I knew this morning before the 8.30 service that this was going to be a hard sermon for a number of different reasons. Um, I hope that you never think that I come to this time and place to, to beat up on you. And I wish that I could stand before you and say that I've been um, an example of a godly man and a godly husband and godly father, but I can't. And what I want to do with you today, especially as a fellow man, is to say some things from the Word of God that I pray, first of all, it will, it will convict us that we need to fall before our God on our knees and ask Him to forgive us of the ways that we have failed as godly men and that we would turn back to Him and become the godly man the godly husband, the godly father and grandfather, the godly church member that God has called us to be. So I pray that you will hear what I have to say as being backed by the word of God and led by the spirit of God, but spoken in the love of God. Let's pray together. Father, so often it's hard for us to take a good close look at ourselves. Lord, all of us are sinners, even we who have professed faith in Christ. After we've had that salvation experience through Christ, we're still tempted every single day. And Father, I don't have to tell you that we're living in a world that is focused upon self and not upon serving others and being Christ-like. So Father, this morning, as we as men hear the word of God about a godly man, I just pray, Father, that you'll speak to our hearts. And I pray, Father, that you will give us the courage to acknowledge that we haven't been what we should have been. But, Lord, give us the strength and determination and courage to live for you and to love our wives and our children and grandchildren, to serve each day as a man whose heart is given and surrendered to, to Christ and to live by the power of the Holy Spirit and to live with convictions found in the Word of God. And help us, Father, that we'll not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ and will not be ashamed of our Savior. Father, please speak to my heart and every man's heart that is in this room. For we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Before I read Psalms 1, I'd like to ask some very personal questions of we who are men. To the older men who are husbands, fathers, grandfathers, and perhaps even men that are bachelors who have not yet met that person that God prepared for, for them, I want to ask all of us what type of men we are. And I'm not talking about in our own eyes or the eyes of others, but in the eyes of God, what type of men are we? Who and what guides our lives? What is the goal for our lives? Are we self-centered? Are we self-focused? Are we selfish? Are we critical? Are we setting a poor example to our children and grandchildren? Are we Christ-like husbands? Are we leaders in our homes and in our community and within this church? And younger men, I don't want to leave you out because I think it's very important. You are in the preparation stage for the man that you will become. 
What are your goals as a young man? Who is your model to follow? Who is the person that you will pattern your life after? I prepared this message this past Thursday night. And on the way to Durham on, Thursday, on Friday morning, I was listening to a, a Raleigh radio station. And like many radio stations, they were having a contest. And with it being close to Father's Day, their contest was about famous TV fathers. And they were going to play a clip of a TV father and then allow listeners to call in and whoever could identify the famous TV dad would win a prize. And you know how in the split second you can think a whole lot of stuff. Well, in that split second, I thought, well, I bet, I bet they're going to have some clips of, of TV fathers that really set the right example, that loved their wives and their children, that were good providers, that stayed at home and raised their children with their wife. And two men immediately, and again, I'm talking about TV characters, two TV characters immediately came to my mind, and I hope I've got their names right. Charles Ingalls. Remember him? The father on Little House on the Prairie? Some of you aren't old enough, I'm sure, to remember them. How about John Walton? Remember the dad of the Walton family? And I thought it's got to be one of those two men. But to my surprise, do you know who the famous TV father was that they mentioned? Homer Simpson. Does, and I know that Homer Simpson is a, is a fictitious cartoon character, but folks, does that represent the best example of a father in our world today? And I'm not trying in any way to be critical this morning, but you know, when I think about Homer Simpson, and I've not watched that program much, and I pray to God that I'll not do it because I think that is, that is so destructive to to the character of our young people and even of adults. Homer Simpson represents to me a man who is crude and selfish and immoral, who has a filthy mouth, who is self-centered. And in South Carolina, they would call him a moron. That's something like a neutron and a proton, all right, a moron. <laughs> Folks, what type of men are we seeking to become? I'm going to just barely scratch the surface of Psalms 1 this morning. And this is a psalm that you've heard many times before. I'm going to stop at 12 today because I'm going to tell you, God needs to work in my heart and in yours. You need to hear what he's got to say from the word of God from him. I want to do my part. But folks, Psalms 1 describes a godly man and a wicked man. As I was studying, I thought the, the Psalms, there are 150. Why, why, why would the people who collected the Psalms put Psalms 1 at the very beginning? Now, we know everything's got to have a first sentence and a first chapter, right? But why did these collectors of Scripture Start the book of Psalms with Psalms 1. And let me tell you why I believe they started with this psalm about the godly man. 
in God's creative order, men are to serve God, and in serving God, they set an example for their family. And they, as godly men, love and provide for their families. And I think there's something else behind all of this. For the nation of Israel to be God's chosen nation, men were to lead their families and their nation in serving God. Again, without trying to sound critical and speaking down on our time, but I believe we have a national crisis in the United States. And I believe that is that men have turned away from God and abandoned God's purpose and goal for their lives. This past Friday night, uh, one of the Sunday schools, a men's Sunday school class in our church, had had a supper and then a praise and worship time, and it was a simulcast. And many of the men who, who were on the simulcast shared how Christ had given them the strength to become the Christian men that they were. Bobby Bowden, who was coach at Florida State, and you remember if you're a big football, college football fan, he was coached there for many years, won several championships. He is known as a very committed Christian. And Bobby Bowden said something that has haunted me since Friday night. He said that when he began coaching and teaching, that most of the men who played on his football teams came from a home where there was a father and a mother. And he said all that he had to do was teach these young men how to play football. But he said in recent years... At least 60% of the men on his football team came from homes where there was no dad present. And he not only had to be the coach, but he had to be the dad. And folks, as I sit and listen to that, is there not a crisis in our nation And hear me from a heart not to be critical. Is there not a crisis even sometimes within our homes and within our churches that maybe the Father is present, but we have not sought God's goal and purpose for our life as Christian men? Betty shared that she raised her two sons as a single mom. And as she was saying that at the 830 service, it reminded me, and again, I'm not not whining, but it reminded me, that the men in my life were the, my uncle who lived next door and the men who came to the local grocery store and we sat out on the steps and talked. I did not have a dad that not only shared with me about Jesus Christ, but even about how to change oil in a car or even change a light bulb or a spark plug. And again, I'm not whining, but my point is this. My uncle, who was not a Christian, and the men who came to the store, even if they were churchgoers, I never heard them say anything about the Lord. The first person that witnessed to me about Jesus Christ was a woman Sunday school teacher. And men, I'm not trying to push us down. But again, if we accept God's teaching in the Word of God and His created order, we were intended to be leaders. And Satan somehow has encouraged us to sit back and let somebody else do the job that God intended for us to do. We must as men be willing to turn back to God 
to repent where we've been unconcerned and where we have not only not volunteered to serve as a spiritual head of our home, but we have given that duty over to someone else. And sometimes we give it over not only to our wife, but somebody else in the family or some other organization to raise our children. Folks, the Word of God says that is our responsibility in our marriages, in our homes, and folks, yes, even in our churches. It is responsibility of the men to step forward. And folks, again, I'm not saying this standing here to tell you I've done the best job. I have not. If I could live my life over again, which I cannot, I would focus on being a better husband and father and grandfather. But let's get to the passage of Scripture. Psalms chapter 1 is one of the most remarkable passages of Scripture, I believe. Folks, listen to this. Number one, it is called a wisdom psalm. And what that means is this psalm teaches the truths of living life daily. And secondly, this psalm points to the way of blessing. You know, it's a strange day we live in, isn't it? All of us want to be blessed of God, but we don't want to give our hearts and lives to God for him to really bless us in the way that he wants to. And also this psalm points out the consequences of making ungodly and wrong decisions. I'm finally going to get to reading these verses. Folks, listen to these six verses, and I encourage all men to meditate on these verses this coming week. Listen to this, Psalms chapter 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Quickly, let me tell you three things that he just says. Listen to what he says the godly man will not do. And folks, I want to point something out. I really get my feathers ruffled when people think that Christianity is a set of do's and don'ts, a set of rules of what you do and what you don't do. Christianity is a living relationship with the living Lord that is provided through the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ on the cross. But folks, when you and I turn to Christ, when we surrender our hearts and lives to him as godly men, there are some things that we will not do. And the psalmist mentions three things here. The godly man will not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners and sit in the seat of scoffers. This does not mean that we'll not make friends with people in the world who are not believers. It does not mean that we will not associate with anybody who is not a Baptist. It does not mean that we'll stop going out into our community and rubbing shoulders with and getting to know and loving other people in Jesus' name. But it does mean that we will be men of character. We'll be men of conviction. And we will live a life that glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ. Three things that we will not do. But listen to what he says we will do in verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. In the days that these words were written, probably the only scripture that they had was the first five books of the Bible called the law or the books of Moses. You and I have the entirety of the Word of God right here, both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And folks, again, hear this not as a criticism from a pastor, but hear this as a genuine concern. How many of us men, even professing Christians daily, spend time in the Word of God? And listen to what the writer says in verse 2. He delights, if you'll go back, thank you, Michelle, 
His delight. His delight. Folks, do you get the picture here of a person? How many of us as men got a good appetite? You know, how many of us? We've got our favorite foods, don't we? I, I could just start naming names. Y'all say, well, hurry up and close this thing so I can go eat. Bojangles. Golden Corral. Grits and gravy. I mean, am I making you hungry? But our spiritual desire, our spiritual appetite, what are, we, what are we spiritually desiring? What do we delight in? Is it the Word of God? And folks, I believe that one of the greatest needs in, in the world today is for men to turn back to reading and studying and sharing and living the Word of God. As a godly man, we must turn back to the Word of God. And because we don't do certain things and we do give our hearts to Christ, listen to the result in verse 3. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. And all he does, he prospers. And folks, this is not the prosperity that we hear sometimes on the airwaves that if you give your heart to Jesus, you'll never get sick. You'll never have any tragedy or crisis in your life. And God will always bless you and give you every bit of money or every possession that you want. That's not what it's talking about. But it's talking about a prosperity of life, a fulfillment. Folks, even in that first word, in the first verse where he says blessed, the Amplified Bible translates that blessed, happy, fortunate, prosperous and enviable when a man gives his heart and life to Christ there is fulfillment in every area of his life but look at the distinction he makes in verse 4 the wicked are not so and folks the title of this message is two men two ways and two destinies Folks, the psalmist describes two men, the blessed man or the godly man and the wicked man. Folks, listen to the wicked man. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. If you go, Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Let me read those two verses to you out of the Living Bible. But for sinners, what a different story. They blow away like chaff before the wind. They're not safe on judgment day. They shall not stand among the godly. I didn't know this for years, what chaff was all about. But in biblical times, as the wheat would be growing, there was another seed that somehow would fall in the field. It would look like wheat, but it was not. It was called chaff. You remember the New Testament, Jesus gives parables one, in one of the parables, uh, there's a farmer who sows a seed of, of a field of wheat. But the enemy, Jesus says, comes along and, sh and sows chaff into the field. And the, the servants of the owner of the farm says, do you want us to go into the field and cut out the chaff? And the farmer says, no, we'll get it out at harvest. Let me tell you how they did that. In the Old Testament times, they would harvest the wheat and after they had harvested, the chaff would be in there too. But after they harvested, they would throw the wheat up into the air. And the chaff was lighter than the wheat, and the wind would blow it away. But the wheat would fall back to the earth. And folks, there's a picture here of how God knows who his children are. 
and the chaff, the wicked will be blown away like chaff to the judgment of God. And listen to what he says in verse 6. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the wicked will perish. Folks, again, I knew when I started, and I've got three more pages of notes. I just feel that as you and I would sit in the privacy of our home, and as we would read this passage of Scripture, and I ask that as you read it, would you ask God to bless and speak to your heart about what he's trying to say to us? Why is it so important that we be godly men? Folks, we're reaping the results of being ungodly men right now in our country. And folks, it, in, it discourages me to think what we're going to see in the coming generations. And I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to put young people down. That is not my point. But if we do not set the right and godly example for them, what course will they take? You don't have to be a preacher to share the love of Jesus Christ. You don't have to be a preacher to set the right example. Just a godly man. May God help us. Let us pray.